Hi, and welcome to episode four of Relay SA, a connected conversation about student affairs in Canada. Each person we interview suggests a few names of folks we should interview next, passing the baton along from interview to interview. That's the relay part. The essay part is because each person we interview is somehow connected to student affairs in Canada, so that's the essay. I knew that I would want to include students in this podcast adventure, and I didn't have to look far to find students who are deeply passionate about student affairs and super excited to dive into their careers in the field. This episode is the start of a brand new relay, as we had the chance to chat with two students currently doing their master's at the Ontario Institute for Studies in Education at U of T, Atifa Karim and Megan Lau. These two superstars are a part of the founding crew of students that created the Student Affairs Society. The Student Affairs Society is for students in the student development and student services stream in the higher education program at OISE, and anyone interested in student affairs. It's intended to help these students connect, network, and support one another. I originally thought that we would interview these two separately, but then I thought it might be fun to have the energy of all of us in the same room, and I think I was right. We covered a lot of ground in our chat, and I hope you enjoy it. Adam Dewin, what are you doing? Who will you talk to today? It's Relay SA. Yeah, good. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> this is happening. Okay. Welcome. So we're just going to start with introductions. Do you want to just maybe say your name and maybe where you did your undergrad and what your program you're currently in? Who wants to go first? Sure. Atifa? Yeah. Hi, I'm Atifa. I'm Atifa Kareem. I did my undergrad degrees at York. I did a Bachelor in Environmental Studies, a minor in Geography, and a Bachelor of Ed. Um, and I'm currently at OISU right now doing my M.Ed. in Higher Education in the Student Development Stream and also the Collaborative Educational Policy Program. It's a Ooh, bit of a mouthful. That is. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I am Megan Lau. I did my undergrad here at U of T. Um, I did a double major in psychology and criminology and a minor in music history and culture. Um, and I'm doing the master's in higher ed here at OISE as well in the student development and student affairs stream. Excellent. And full disclosure, you're also working in our division <laughs> at um, Student Life. So what are you guys working on? Um, well, for the next month, since my contract's up, um, for the past year I've been working in information projects uh, and we are part of the division of student life. Um, so I was doing a lot of database and research type projects and now my main project has been the Student Life website. Um, I helped to build it over the summer and since then I've been taking requests and updating and working on transitional material. Uh, so I do that in the mornings. In the afternoon <laughs> I work at the Academic Success Center on the FIDA program um, from intention to action which is a really cool one-on-one -on -one counseling program which uh, started at Carleton University and now Humber and U of T have kind of piloted it and adapted it this year. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> On top of being a student, <laughs> no big deal. And when does your program um, end? The, the degree? Yeah, when are you done? Well, I'm in my second course. So I'm a part-time student. Um, so hopefully three to five years. <laughs> oh, that's how I did it. The journey is long, but well worth it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here in Adams Unit in Student Campus Community Development. I work in leadership development, so I coordinate a phenomenal group of um, graduate student leadership facilitators. So we go out and do workshops around leadership development for clubs, uh, for different colleges, uh, for both undergrad and graduate students. 
Um, we also have a really great blog um, about living leadership here at U of Toronto, just highlighting different experiences of students around leadership, leadership development, their journey. Um, and then I get to do some curriculum development around what all of our leadership workshops look like. Um, what so yeah. is leadership? <laughs> <laughs> that is such a fun question, probably one of my favorite. Um, for me, leadership is about a lifestyle. I'm a big, I, for me, it's, I'm someone who really likes to know what my values are and making sure that I'm living a life that's really congruent with those values. So I'm living and practicing what I preach and what I believe. Um, and for me, all of that is leadership. It's about knowing who you are, knowing what your skills and what your strengths are, and then figuring out how can you live a life that allows you to build on those and contribute to social good with them. Amazing. Yeah. So leadership is life, and life is leadership. Yes. <laughs> Let's get some Straight t-shirts going. Yeah, <laughs> Um, so tell me about your program. So you're in the same program, mm -hmm. but you're doing... Uh, the collaborative program in Ed Policy. Tell me more. What's that like? Uh, that's really great. It's new. I just started in January. Um, and it's designed to sort of really fit into uh, your, your kind of core program. So for me, it's the MED in higher ed. Um, and because I have an interest in sort of the academic affairs part also of, of institutions around like academic policy, curriculum standards, academic advising, I'm doing the Ed Policy to really sort of understand that kind of world a little bit clearer and how sure. policy development happens and what's the framework. Um, so right now I'm taking a really great class um, on system-wide policy and planning in higher ed, cool. which is really sort of giving me that broad system-wide perspective and it's ni really nice context to understand how institutions function within it. So I'm excited to dive into that a little bit more. Yeah. And what brought you to the program in the first place? The MED program? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think I have one of those kind of typical student affairs journey in the sense that I wanted to be a teacher. I thought I was going to be a high school uh, geography and English teacher. And as, as I was doing my placements, I realized that the fit quite, was, quite wasn't there. I was engaged, but I knew that whatever it was, whatever my life's purpose was, should feel better than I feel when I'm teaching. Sure. And it's not that I wasn't enjoying teaching. I just I, I feel, feel, felt like there could be more to it. Um, and then I started thinking, okay, maybe curriculum development is what I wanted to do within K-12, within K um, and that I would do teaching and then eventually work my way up. Um, and that was around kind of the end of my second year at York. Okay. Um, and about the same time, York was launching this new student transition program around um, how do you onboard incoming students and how do you sort of take an institution-wide approach to orientation. Mm -hmm. And I was doing work study and I got involved through that and all of a sudden I found this body of literature around higher education and around sort of all the pedagogy that we do for higher ed. And sure. I was so invested in pedagogy and pedagogies of environmental education especially that it was interesting to see that we also did it for post-secondary. And right. as I sort of dived into that a little bit more and really um, reflected on where I found those moments of joy and happiness and engagement, it was that's sort of how I figured mm -hmm. that student affairs was my thing. And I knew I wanted to develop around that. And I was at a place where I knew that that was the career choice that I wanted to pursue and that... Um, I was fortunate enough to, you know, to have a local institution, U of T, doing right. a grad program and mm -hmm. taking advantage of that opportunity to sort of start off my career as someone who kind of had, had opportunities to think about it critically and in a kind of a contained environment, for lack sure. of a better word, before yeah. maybe kind of diving in. Mm. Yeah. And how is it so far? Oh, it's 
phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so many folks told me I would love Oise and every and U of T in general, but it's just just exceeded my expectation. Oh. I talk about Oise as one of those like it's it's phenomenal to walk into a space into a building and you know that every single person you'll encounter is an educator, mm-hmm. and they identify with that title in some way, shape, or form. They might not be higher educator, but they're an educator in some way, and. For me, I respond a lot to my environments, the aesthetics of it, but also just the feel of that space. Yeah, and so to be in that kind of environment is really thrilling. Um, And there's some amazing, phenomenal scholars there, you know, like expert leaders. um, And then the the way the program is designed, there's lots of folks who are working in student affairs. And so Mm -hmm. the opportunity to dialogue with them, to learn from their experience, to just, you know, be at the cusp of, of so much what I feel like is innovation in our field right now, just broadly speaking, is really exciting. And I'm glad I'm glad I made the decision to sort of start with this as, as a framing for my career, if that makes sense. And you're done in December? I'm done in December. So we'll do a plug. I don't know. I'm starting in January. Contact Tifa. Tifa, she's on LinkedIn. Yeah. Okay, great. Much appreciated. Thank you. <laughs> So I was, uh, I graduated in 2014 from my undergrad and um, I'd started working in student life in my third year. I was a kind of a casual staff, a student administrative assistant for one of the departments in student life. And I really enjoyed interacting with students. Um, I learned a lot those two years about the student experience outside of my own experience. Um, I was a commuter and so I learned a lot about what it meant to be an international student, what it meant to live in residence. And so... Yeah, I really enjoyed that, and when I graduated, I traveled a bit, but then found myself back at U of T. I guess I didn't feel like I was ready to leave yet, Uh, and I kept finding myself in different positions, but I was drawn back to student life as a division, Um, and I was really involved in co-curricular activities, and what really shaped um, my undergrad experience was the leadership roles, it was the going abroad and the undergraduate research, and so that had a huge impact on kind of what I knew I wanted to do. Some high-impact practices, some hips. Um, <laughs> so um, I found myself here uh, doing the helping out with the CCR with Kimberly Elias. And so I had known about the program at OISE before, but I wasn't really sure what it was about, wasn't sure if it was for me, um, if it was necessary for, m- for me and what I wanted to do. Um, and so Kim had just, I think she was just finishing up the program. She was doing her MA. Uh, and she kind of told me about it, and working here also spiked my curiosity. I was interested in, you know, student engagement, but also why we were programming the way we were programming, assessment and evaluation and all those um, awesome things. And so I was really interested in the program, um, applied, and here I am. I'm doing it part-time, so I am able to kind of, I have more time to kind of mold it, I guess, mold the program the way I want to go. Um, and yeah, it's exciting. Nice. Nice. Um, I guess a question that I have too is that um, a, a more typical narrative, at least from what I understand in um, Canadian student affairs, is people kind of starting in kind of entry-level positions, getting their feet wet in terms of working full-time, and then coming back to education either part-time or kind of mm-hmm. later on. You two are like education first and then you'll probably engage in a job search or you're kind of doing it at the same time. Um, 
do you feel like it's any different? Like you're doing something differently than some of the folks who, than what might be a typical narrative of people who have kind of worked in the field and done a master's at the same time? Do you feel like it's different or is it just your normal? I think I can see the difference. And mm-hmm. I knew going into the program that a lot of people had, you know, typically, as you said, they were, they, they were doing it while they were working. And this was, you know, after they had established role and whatnot. For me, I, I kind of am a lifelong learner, and, and that was kind of a subconscious thing. Whether I liked it or not, I was always in school. Even on right. my year off, I was doing a non-degree, I was doing continuing ed, and so I knew I wanted to continue with school, and I was really interested in it. Um, in terms of whether, whether it's different or whether... I mean, I, I think I've been able to have those aha moments that a lot of people who are already in the field... Uh, tend to have and I think I've been able to really benefit that from that the same way Mm -hmm. that people have so being able to apply what we're learning in the classroom straight into our understanding of student life so for me the program has really formed and helped form my understanding of student life which is also a really interesting experience what do you yes. think? <laughs> I appreciate that. No, I, I have to echo a lot of, I think, what Megan has, has said around sort of like identifying as like a lifelong learner and knowing that I was finishing up my undergrad degrees at York and thinking about like grad school is one of those things that I wanted to do. Um, but then I also had really great mentors. I think Megan probably had the same who, who were talking about sort of their, their education is what really sort of right. brought them to that next level. And having been in, engaged in work study, and knowing that that was what I wanted to do, it felt like that would be a really good approach to, mm. to knowing that I, I would eventually want to do this this grad program and to be in a position where it's like, okay, maybe I can dedicate. I'm at a particular place in my like sort of life story, life cycle that I can dedicate to doing this full time. Um, and then being in classes and sort of hearing from other people's perspective, a lot of it has just been around how a lot of what we're learning is very affirming. And then in, in sort of in seeing that, it's it's very kind of, comforting to someone like me to know that I'm, I'm fortunate to have this opportunity to sort of start my career that way and then right. to be engaged hopefully in a career that like I'm constantly being intentional and reflexive and sort of dialoguing with others and yeah. thinking about what it means really to be a professional beyond kind of working full-time right Does yeah that make sense? full-time employment isn't the same as yeah. profession or being part of a profession yeah uh, um, was there a tipping point for you? So in my other interviews, folks who identified either a moment or a person who kind of pointed out to them that this was a possibility or that this was a legitimate career in a field, did you have a moment where you kind of turned that corner? I remember the exact moment when my supervisor was like, why don't you consider this option? I was like, you can do this for a living? Yeah. Um, did you have a moment like that? I did, and I think it was when I was here. So I had al- always, in hindsight, I had always been involved with youth development type programs. So I was really involved with the Duke of Edinburgh Award Club, um, or not club, the Duke of Edinburgh Award, which is a youth development program. And so unconsciously, it was kind of something I was involved in, and I didn't know, you know, I didn't know you can do it for a living. And when I was here, and when I was working here, as in at Sussex, um, and seeing all the great work that was being done, and really talking to Kim. I think Kim was such uh, an important mentor for me at that point in my life, because I was, I think I was a little bit lost, but being able to learn about the field and understand that this is an option, that was kind of, that was all kind of a culmination of my, I guess, like, tipping point. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Very cool. 
I think I sort of referenced mine earlier. It was very clear. I was in this volunteer training session, right. and that slide came up that talked about the Lizio five senses for success. Right. And it was like, wow, whoa, there's, there's a theory, there's a body here. And yeah. I remember, you know, leaving that training session and going in and sort of reading more around that theory and sort of the peripheral stuff that I could access around it and then connecting with the person who was sort of leading that up and finding out about their story, their education, mm-hmm. and then that person becoming such a force in sort of, and still is, I think, for me. Who is this person? Oh, sorry, yes, um, Lara Ubaldi. She's oh, yeah, cool. at York. Uh, she was the project lead on Ustart. Thanks, Lizio. Thanks, Lara. Thank <laughs> you, Tifa, to the field. This is yes, amazing. thank you. <laughs> um, can you tell me a little bit about the Student Affairs Society at OZ? Because you guys have started that, right? Well, why don't you go ahead because I was kind of not in the picture in the first semester. Um, We weren't the founders, in all fairness. Jessica Pilfold and Soyeon Lee, they were the founders. um, And they were both um, students in the sort of first cohort of this this program. Um, And Jessica has recently finished her program last December and Soyeon's finishing up right now. She's now. Yeah, she is. Um, So Student Affairs Society, it's, it's in its infancy, but our sort of our core kind of reason for existing is really a place for community for people studying student affairs or just interested in student affairs at OISE and U of T community to give everybody an opportunity to just sort of dialogue and build community. I think community is one of those things that's so important in our field and it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's consistent and you see it all throughout and I think there's something very nice about having it while you're studying. Of course. Um, and then also just to provide opportunities for career and professional development and to dialogue with faculty or working professionals. It's nice to have sort of a group that you can go to to help help with those yeah. conversations. Yeah. Um, so that's that's I think a lot of why why we're around, Megan. And you were. Yeah, I don't have much to add. That's like <laughs> that's pretty much what it is. Um, I think the idea behind it was when the student affairs and student development program began. It was a new program that began last year. That was when you were seeing more people who were concentrated on student affairs, and sure. so that was when they realized like there is room for a community to build from it, especially because. Um, there were people who were coming straight from undergrad or maybe soon after undergrad or soon after another degree versus people who were already in the field. And so, yeah. It was great. I've only been to one event, but it was awesome. Everyone was so kind and open and fun and just keen to learn about the field and what the profession op- professional options are. It was great. Well, what's next for the Student Affairs Society? Well, we're working on uh, doing more kind of social media stuff. We're going to see if we can start a blog. We're going to amp up our Twitter and our Facebook and so try and get involved in the social media realm. And we're going to be uh, planning in the background for the events coming up next year. Um, We are planning an informational interview. We had done one last semester with um, someone at CIE, um, the Center for International Experience. So hopefully we'll be able to do another one this semester. Very cool. Such great work. Thanks. Um, I guess back to your academic programs, I want to know what has been like a high point and what has been a low point. So what has been mm. something that was really maybe energizing and inspiring and a point that another part that was, I don't know, disappointing or not that exciting or... Because there's some part of grad work that is soul-sucking. Let's name yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Being a grad student, all that. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I've only been in two classes, so because I'm a part-time student, I do one class at a time uh, per semester. Um, I think going into class every week is really exciting because there's really great discussions, and I, 
I mean, it's a really big generalization to be like, that's all the highs, but it, it has been like mm-hmm. such, it's been so much fun to be in class with people who are really genuinely interested in what, what we're all studying and um, being able to hear how people relate. I mean, we're in a theories course right now, Atif and I, um, being able to relate theories to different parts of their work and different um, realms of student life. So, oh, with Professor Waterman. Yes. Yeah. Great. yeah. And that class has been really great because it's very, very applicable to real life. Um, mm. And I guess a low, I mean, I think in general, finding that work, the work-study balance, the work-study life balance right. is really challenging. And I think that's always going to be a low if you're, if, you're going, if you're going into grad studies or any studies, like all through undergrad, that was a challenge for me as well. I was working through it all. Um, just shifting gears from task to task. Yeah. It's hard uh-huh. to do sometimes. Yeah. Oh, for sure, yeah. But no, I, there's definitely been... I mean, every time we go to class, it's it kind of reaffirms why I want to be here and why I want to be in the degree, but also in the profession. And so the lows are nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I love that phrase, it reaffirms. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's so perfectly, like, speaks kind of up to a lot of what I'm feeling. Um, I think perhaps mine are, are the same in that it's this double-edged sword. It's that the highs is, is just because I am doing it full-time and you know working here part-time, it's nice to just be completely inundated in the field and just right. to think about student affairs and academic affairs and higher ed just all the full time. Immersion, yeah. Yes, full immersion. That's been just incredibly helpful and insightful and I've learned so much about myself and what I wanted do um but then it's also sort of the downside of being completely immersed I remember my first semester struggling a little bit with kind of boundaries like when is it okay to sort of step back from being so completely committed to this this thing that I'm so passionate about and taking time to self-care and to to do other things that are also important in my life um and really I I really kind of struggled with that a little last semester and I feel like Mm. I'm, I'm on a much sort of better place this semester and hitting my stride a little bit nicer with it um so yeah that's kind of where I'm at (laughs) um and my two questions if I am what questions are we not asking so you're kind of two classes in you're kind of in your second semester um and you're kind of getting a sense of what the discussions kind of are what what are we missing is there anything that uh we should be turning our attention to what course is not what course are you looking for that isn't offered Hmm. What, what do we need to be digging into that we're currently not? <laughs> um, for me, it's, it's a complete plug to personal interest. Um, I have a very strong interest in sort of governance at an institution. Right. Um, a lot of that perhaps has to do with my own student leadership work and you know being on Senate at York and sort of not always seeing that conversation between governance or not to be sort of silo-y, but academic affairs and student affairs and sort of opportunities to bridge that. Um, For me, that's kind of been one of those threads that I've tried to sort of work on with each course and in each semester. But for me, I'd love a course just focused on like governance. A deep dive into a deep, governance. Yeah, and then relevancy for like student affairs professional and how can you actually engage with those processes and systems that mm-hmm. in a lot of way really inform your work. I think a student affairs professional, it's it's not that it's invisible, but I think it, it's, it's one of those forces that we're probably not always attuned to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to answer this because I don't think I'll admit I don't actually know all, all the things that Wazy offers 
Um, well, I know there is, I think there's a new, so assessment and evaluation is something I haven't touched upon yet in work or in school, and it's been something I've wanted to do. I think there's an online course for that, mm-hmm. um, and I'm interested in it. Um, I would love a non-online version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I've, I've learned a lot at work, and I think the practical things that... Um, that I've learned at work could be something that we could do in class because it's applicable to everyone. So things, I know Adam, we were today at a meeting and we talked a lot about accessibility, for instance. And so I've been doing a lot of um, MOOC courses on Mm. that. And I I know it's a very specific thing, but I would love to see things like that, maybe little short sessions on very practical items that are relevant to people in student affairs. That's very interesting. I always wanted, of course, really on experiential learning mm-hmm. and oh, all like, the okay. politics behind it and yeah. around it and surround it because yeah. I think it's often assumed that it's just all good and we should all be doing experiential things all the time, which is probably true in a lot of places, but even I remember scouring course calendars looking for that course and I, I couldn't find it. So, anywho. Uh, so, yeah, my question is, and I don't know if you would answer these differently, if an alien to Earth and just stumbled across Oise and stumbled across a student affairs society meeting where you're there and said, what's going on here? How would you explain to them? <laughs> and my other question was, how do you explain to friends and family what you do? But it might as well be the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm so much familiar with what we do. Yeah. How would you explain that to this alien? Oh, wow. It's so difficult um, because in the realm of student affairs, everyone's doing something I don't want to say completely different, but in some mm-hmm. cases, completely different. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of told people that student affairs and student development is kind of the services and supports um, provided to students to help enhance their learning and development, and that's kind of been my, like, that's my go-to definition. But, yeah, it's so easy to fall upon your own portfolio and yeah. talk about that instead. And it's hard because people who look to their own reference points yeah. are so yeah. like a guidance counselor or right. like this. Right. Okay, and so you kind of cobble together this parallel metaphor that might be useful, but it's never really enough, I guess. Yeah. Mm. What would yeah. you say, Adifa? <laughs> yeah, no, I feel, I, I, I think a lot of what you've just said, I, I sort of do the same. It's a difficult thing to explain, because I think one is, is that it's an invisible part of people's university experience, right? Yeah. Um, so there's sometimes, if, if someone that I know really well, I'll try to refer to someone that they might have known <laughs> who was kind of doing some of the, the work that, people in our kind of our line of work do um, but I think Megan really sort of hit the nail on the head there's a, there's a diversity of portfolios and experiences and it's a broad range so it's hard to encapsulate it but I generally sort of fall back to it's it's the system of people and networks and support that sort of um, enhance the university experience and um, develops some of the curricular and co-curricular especially co-curricular kind of learning that happens it's hard because I'm sure you're getting this too. What are you going to do with your degree? Yeah. <laughs> well, it could take me into a lot of different spaces. Yeah, everyone so. thinks I'm going to teach. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to teach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. You um, are teaching all the time, though. That's true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Very <laughs> true. Um, and then I guess my last kind of question for my formal questions is around 
What do you think over the next four to five years, what do you see as trends from your perspective? You're quite close to the student experience. You're in it right now as graduate students. What do you think is on, what do you think is on the horizon for what our campuses are going to be grappling with over the next couple of years? Hmm. I think equity is a huge one. I think we're starting to see you know, some of that happening right now, both in Canada and in the States. But I think um, trying to think around how we support sort of as edu- as higher education become more accessible, um, our, our population will begin to change and it's changing already. And I think one of the things that a lot of people are advocating for is how do you get underrepresented sort of students in, into higher ed, right? And how, how do you support them all? And I think a lot of that will fall to us. And thinking around those questions of how do you support those students without necessarily sort of creating kind of specialized programs, but how do you actually integrate them into the system? How do you not redesign the system, but how do you, you reconfigure the... I would say redesign yeah, the system. How do you I think re- a lot of our notions of engagement, involvement, yeah. and leadership are based on kind of old school notions yeah. that were built around a particular type of student and yeah. a particular kind of learner. So I think to unpack it and kind of, maybe that's my... <laughs> thinking sometimes, but if we're looking at broader um, types of learners and students, then we need to think about ways to engage them. Once they get in the door, Mm -hmm. what type of experience are we helping them to provide? And it's not just, you know, uh, come in and learn the language and totally assimilate, but how can we actually, in our systems, be more responsive to the different types of learners? Exactly, and how how does that sort of feel integrative, right? Yeah, 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 the whole experience. Yeah, and then Mm -hmm. that's sort of another one, I think is just figuring out that we're part of a larger education system. We tend to be very K-12 and then post-secondary, but I think sort of that whole system-wide perspective of it's it, it's all interconnected and those two kind of educational systems, we have two different ministries here in Ontario, but how do, how do we make them sort of dialogue with each other and how do mm-hmm. we make that process not seamless, but very, very kind of comfortable and convenient and accessible? I think that'll be, there'll be some interesting they've introduced or they are introducing that number that will help people track. I think there's some stuff on the back end that will be smart, but yeah, I think that system's approach will be, yeah, good ones. Yeah, those are so good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I've been doing that the whole time. (laughs) No, like, I completely agree, and to piggyback off of that too, like, everyone coming into university has, comes from such a different background. And so there is no, I mean, we treat everyone as if they're all on the same starting point, but that's not mm-hmm. true at all. Um, yeah, and <laughs> yeah, I don't know how yeah. what else I can say to that. It's, it's so true. And um, I think we're going to see more grad students mm-hmm. um, in the years to come. And I think the idea of um, this, the system being more integrated like you were saying the k-12 mm-hmm. i think it might build even even further into grad school and we might be looking more at grad school type programming mm-hmm. in the future yeah from zero to 60 a lot more institutions are looking at supporting their grad students i think the assumption mm-hmm. before was your grad student you can figure it all out but yeah now I, I think that 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 thinking is even more dangerous for grad students because there's layers of imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and that creates a fear of seeking help because there's a feeling like I should already know it all kind of thing. So yeah. I think that compounds and relationships around stress around publishing and relationships with your supervisor potentially or yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the graduate experience is super complex and will I think our attention to it will increase over the years. Yeah, yeah, especially I, I see people who are doing more than uh, you know, more than one master's degree. So it's mm-hmm. 
it's a people are still developing through their their master's degree. They yeah. haven't necessarily figured out exactly where they see themselves yet. Mm-hmm. And especially knowing that only a fraction of folks with a master's degree or a PhD will be going into the academic realm, yeah. Yeah. setting them up for success to be transferable and thinking kind of laterally around being kind of job ready. Lots of options. So course relevant because the class I'm just coming from, we're, we're talking about graduate expansion in Ontario and what does that look like and what. Everything, what does that look like? Yeah. Amazing. We'll just bring this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Um, okay, I've got some rapid fire questions. Let's see, these are just, try not to think about it too much. Just answer. All right, last show that you binged on Netflix. I don't have Netflix, <laughs> but I've been watching Modern Family. Modern Family? Yes. Okay. Fuller House. Fuller House. Oh, Fuller House. Cut it out. Um, what was the last book you read? Um, for me it was Jane Eyre it's one of my favorite novels and I tend to read try to read it every year so I just finished it off in December Mm -hmm. she just has this emotional resiliency to her that I so admire and I so kind of I yeah there there are parts of it that I'm just like I need to develop that stronger in myself oh nice that's a good answer I'm currently in I can't remember the name of the book I think it's Fourteen dogs. It's about dogs. It's based in Toronto. Oh, <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, it's a great book. It's it won some awards, so I've been I've been trying to finish it, but you know, school yeah. reading. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you were to win the lottery and decide to have a building commissioned on a university campus, what would the building be called, and what function would it serve on the campus? <laughs> I almost want to say it'd be office space because I feel like we <laughs> need it, but no. No, no, no. It would be a, my my dream building would be uh, some sort of integrated student space, and it would be multi-purpose. Um, and it would I can't think of a name, but it would be really cool. It'd be like the Mega Center. <laughs> no, it, it, it would Ooh, have. Like it would have some like awesome. Yeah, it'd have some nickname that everyone would refer to. Uh, the Lounge. Lounge. <laughs> the Lounge. Lounge. <laughs> Lounge. I think the first thing that came to mind was was student space. It was around like I think back to my undergrad experience and clubs and student involvement being one of those things that really made it and. So I think I would want to give that to future students. Lots more student space. Nice. And green space, environmental studies. Green space, yes. Green space. Yeah. I support that. Um, dogs or cats? Cats. Dogs. <laughs> okay, once this ends, we'll start the fight. Um, and my last rapid-fire question is, if you had a theme song that could play every time you enter a tour room, what would you want it to be?
just makes I like I'm a big I love to spread positivity and sunshine. So something that would just make people feel really good about themselves. Amazing. I think mine would be like the climb by Miley Cyrus. <laughs> again, really corny. Really original, but, yes. Or Beyonce. Or Beyonce. Um, all right. Well, as you know, the kind of one of the premises of this podcast is that everyone we interview, we ask someone to name a few suggestions of who we should interview next. So we'll pass on this kind of virtual baton from interview to interview. So who are you thinking? Who is someone that I should try to um, get for an interview next? I did not actually know very many people outside of U of T. This is everything I knew. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Liana Acre, uh has ties to U of T. Yeah, um, at Guelph Humber. At Guelph Humber, yeah. And I think she'd be really fun to talk to. She's a really, really awesome person. She's given me tons of life advice. Okay. Yeah. So what should I talk to Liana? Anything. anything. She she could give you advice on anything. Okay, so it'll just be like an advice. It will just be an advice podcast. Yeah. Just yeah. Great. Yeah, that's what our conversation is. Can I be a fly on the wall during that? Happy already. Amazing. All right. Um, I mentioned her already, Lara Ubaldi. She's one of those people too, a great mentor and someone that I have really whose advice I really value. Um, okay. So she's at York right now. Um, so right now she's sort of working on academic advising, so I'm, I would okay. think that would be a really good subject, and Very just cool. she's done a lot of work around governance, and um, I think the more academic sort of support side of student affairs, so it might be nice to hear from her around Very that. Very cool. Yeah. Anyone else? These are great. Oh, I've got lo- loads of York folks. Yeah, just go to York. Talk to everyone. Oh, what was that place? Blueberry Hill? Oh, um, yeah. Not a, it's not around oh. anymore, unfortunately. Fun fact, I lived at York for like three months. Tell me more. Oh, <laughs> yes. I was going to say off camera. We'll talk about that off podcast. Yes. <laughs> Anywho, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate the work that you guys are doing with the Student Fair Society is really excellent. And the work that you're doing in our division is just amazing. So I'm grateful um, for your time and your talent. So thanks so much for participating in this conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, there you have it, a candid and hopeful conversation with two incredible women. Our field clearly has a bright future with folks like this ready to jump in. Thank you so much for listening. You can connect with Atifa on Twitter. Her handle is at A-T-I-F-A-F-K. To my knowledge, at time of recording this, I don't believe Megan is on Twitter, but I am. You can follow me or tweet at me. My handle is at A-D-A-M-K-U-H-N. Let me know what you think, and let me know if you have any ideas of who I should interview next. If you enjoyed listening, please share with friends and colleagues. Our theme music is provided by Adrian Ross. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, bye for now.